Thanks for joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. We're currently in our series, Fresh Fruit, where we are diving into the fruit of the Spirit. As a believer, the fruit of the Spirit should be coming out of our lives. It should be shown in all that we say and do. Just as when you see an apple tree, you see apples on it. As a Christian, others should see you and see the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. They should see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. They should see Jesus in us. Our vertical relationship with God must be lived out in our horizontal relationships with others. So let's jump in together to this week's message of Fresh Fruit. We're so glad you're here. Abigail Kanzunza, and I would define kindness as putting someone else before you and just like always being attentive and just like making sure that you are doing the best you can for others before kind of yourself. I think kindness is important because just being able to just do something kind for somebody, not knowing what type of day they've had can make a huge impact on someone's life and that can always lead to like a pay it forward type of situation. And I think just always meeting someone where they are and disregarding like how they've treated you and just doing something good because it's good um, is good. And I think that as believers in Christ, we have been called to be kind because that is what Jesus demonstrated for us and um, just being Christ-like and walking in his footsteps, I believe that is something that we should do. If you have your Bibles or you have your phone, maybe with a Bible app on it, uh, you can go ahead and uh, open that to Ephesians chapter 4. That's where we'll be this morning. We said a second ago, we're in a series called Fresh Fruit where we're working through the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul tells us what the fruit of the Spirit of God is inside of us. And so it says, he writes this, he says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, also translated patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. And so we've said this each week, but I think it bears repeating each week that when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit, what we're talking about is the, is the outward evidence. It's the outworking of what's happening inside. It's the outward reality of the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. The fruit of the Spirit is what naturally grows out of or what naturally comes out of lives who have by grace been saved by Jesus, placing their lives under his lordship and their, and their lives in his care. And so this is what comes out. And we talked about this a second ago. We, we've covered so far love, joy, peace, patience. Last week, Pastor Jeff, you heard that from, from Pastor Jeff. And I'm, I am really glad that some of you were here for that. I know some of you really needed that one. Uh, the patience, I, I wasn't, I, I didn't, I, Rebecca can attest uh, that I'm super patient. You can tell the person that I honked at this morning uh, on the way here at like five in the morning. How can I be honking at somebody if I, I didn't honk at them, I yelled. Um, but it's, um, it's neither way. I didn't do that. I promise I didn't I honk or yell at anybody this morning. But we love, joy, peace, patience. And this morning we're talking about kindness and and question for, you, for us is what comes to mind when you think about kindness? 
Maybe for you, it's the, the things, maybe those instructions or those, the, the, the things that your parents or teachers told you to, to be nice or to be kind, right? We're going to interchange that word nice for a moment as, as kind. And maybe, maybe if you can't say anything nice or anything kind, don't say anything at all. Anybody ever heard that? I didn't. That was never said to me ever. I was always nice and kind. Maybe it's that instructions. And if you think about it, I, I love this one. Uh, it, maybe when you're faced with somebody that doesn't treat you so well or has treated you poorly, that, that instruction to kill them with kindness. Anybody ever been given that instruction? Which if you kind of logically work out, it's kind of morbid if you, I mean, just a little bit. But maybe, maybe it's the countless campaigns that are, that are happening right now that tell us to be nice or to be kind or, or to do some random act of kindness on a daily basis. There's, there's all of these things that, that, are, that are encouraging us to be kind. And, and the question, why do we have to be encouraged so much to be kind? Why, why is it that we are not just simply kind to people, to other people that we're around? Why do we have to be encouraged? And the question of this week as I was thinking about, does, the, does our culture look at the church and Christians and think those are really kind people? And the answer to that is sometimes maybe, sometimes maybe not. And, and the passage this morning, as we turn to this Ephesians passage, the, the context of what Paul says in verse 32 is, is he's instructing, instructing the Ephesian people, this, this group of people that he's writing this letter to, the church at Ephesus. He's instructing them on what it looks like to live mature lives, to walk in holiness and, and teaching them of what that looks like. And, and in this passage, he tells them to put off this falsehood and speak and speak truthfully to your neighbor because we're all members of one body. And then in verse 27, I'm going to read there and then we'll get to our passage. Starting in verse 27, he says this, that he says, and, and don't give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. He's talking about a life that's been transformed by the gospel. It, 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 we don't do the things that we used to do. We, we steal no longer. We put our hands to work and, and we do something useful with our hands that we may have something to share with those that are in need. In verse 29, he says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only that which is helpful in building up others according to their need, that it may benefit those who listen. In verse 30, and don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption and get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander in every form of malice. And in the place of all of those things, rather than all of those things, he says, put off all those things. And rather than all those things, in verse 32, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving one another, just as Christ has forgiven you. Jerry Bridges, author of a great resource that I've used significantly through in preparation for each week as we've come together talking about these first fruit or talking about the fruit of the Spirit. He, he combines the chapter on kindness and goodness. And he says that, that they're so linked. He says kindness and goodness are so closely related that they're often interchangeable. And he's right. Throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New Testament, as translators worked through the, these, the words of, that were originally in Hebrew and Greek, certainly many times they could interchange the word kindness and goodness. 
And so as you're reading a passage of scripture, there's times when you read kindness that truthfully with no, no fall off, they could have used, a, they could have used the word goodness and, and vice versa. And, and, he, and he's right. We're not going to combine these two, these two this, this week. We're going to take them separately. But the reality is that they're so closely linked. But Paul, and Paul uses a separate word here in this passage to describe kindness. He uses the word carrot. Uh, I'd, I'd practiced this before I got here. It's the Greek word kerastosis. And it comes from the word kerastosis. Uh, I'm hopefully we're going to re- not record this part. It comes from another Greek word, right? And it, what it means <laughs> is moral. <laughs> it means moral excellence. The idea that moral excellence or this demeanor of character, of graciousness and, and virtuousness. It's a, it's a part of the character of a person. You know, each week as we've worked through these, what we've tried to do is define, to begin by defining and then kind of looking at some of the things that are the opposite of these character or these, these fruit of the Spirit. And I believe as you look at this, the opposite of what, of what kindness is, it kind of gives us a little bit of an idea of the essence of what we really want to talk about. Because the, really kindness is not just not being mean. Right, the, the essence of what it means to be kind is that, you're, that we're not callous and apathetic or thoughtless. Right, that we're not, we're not harsh with our words and our actions, that, we're, that we have, a, we have a, a, a soft spirit about us. And I would even take it a further, just kind of an opposite is that we're, the opposite of kindness is selfishness. Looking at myself over others. Now if you're taking notes, the first thing that we have here is the kind of the definition that I want us to work with this week and as we talk about kindness, and this is what you fill in these blanks, that kindness is the inner disposition, right, that, that, that the character, that inner disposition of compassion, care, and concern for the well-being and the happiness of others. The kindness is that inner disposition. It's the, it's the character of a person that is compassionate and caring and concerned for the well-being and the happiness of others. So how does that happen? What happens as a result of that happening? How, how does kindness happen? How do we see kindness begin to well up in, in our hearts and become more and more a part of who we are as, as followers of Christ and see that fruit of the Spirit? What results happen when we are kind? And that's what I kind of want to look at over the next little bit as we can work through this passage and talk about the fruit of the Spirit, kindness. But before we dive into the, these three things I want to talk about, let's stop and just ask the Lord to bless the rest of our time together. Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing in this place. I thank you for the fact that we have an opportunity to come, to gather, to open up your word, to sing songs about your greatness and I pray this morning as we work through your scripture, as we work through this, this fruit of the spirit of your life inside of us and we talk about kindness as, as, a, as an aspect of that coming out of us and becoming more and more a part of our lives and the character of who we are, I pray that, God, you would move this morning. And that by the power of your Holy Spirit, God, you would stir in us and show us how you've equipped us to do exactly what you've called us to do. You've given us your spirit to to do these things and to be the people, the men and women that you've called us to be. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen and amen. 
So kindness, if you have your worship guide, this is our first real kind of point here for us. And how does this happen? How do we see kindness happen? Kindness begins, if you're filling this out, kindness begins with the steadfast, merciful, and gracious love of God for us. It, kindness begins with God's steadfast, merciful, and gracious love for us. It begins there. We've got to have a starting point. In the beginning, the starting point for kindness, where, we, where all of the kindness that we're going to talk about from this point on is going to flow through, begins by looking at him. And when I was in college, my junior, senior year in college, I took a trip with some, some buddies to Colorado. We went skiing on our winter break. And uh, it was like, I mean, it was, we bummed it. It was a pretty cheap trip, but it was a lot of fun, I, I think, maybe parts that I remember. But it, when I got there, and I don't, uh, because I hit the ice a lot, that's why I don't remember things. <laughs> so that you ah, God, can we scrap that from the recording too? But it, you know, when I got there, I, you know, I realized that as, because I'm super cool and a person of my social status and athletic prowess and whatnot, I, I decided that skiing was beneath me and that what I really needed to do as somebody as cool as I was, that I needed to snowboard because that was, that was the cooler of the two options, right? And so, here, so I decided I was going to snowboard. It was a couple of us decided we were going to snowboard. And I, I, a couple of things I want to pause and tell you about snow skiing. If you've never done this, first, the first thing you need to know is that snow is not soft. I don't care what they call it, powder, it's not soft. Second thing is there are places on my body that are still, still sore from this event over 20 years ago, right? Third, there has never been a time in my life where I have felt more out of control and on the edge of death than while snowboarding in Colorado. Because, I mean, think about this, right? On every bridge in every place in the whole earth, there's a little sign that says, in cold weather, this bridge will freeze, and it may be icy. But on a mountain, what we do is rather than warn you about it, we strap some board to your foot and say, just why don't you go down that piece of ice? It'd be great, right? That's, that's what happens. So on the edge of death is where I felt like I was for those days. The last thing that I remember about it is that instructor on the bunny slope, he told me, he said, <laughs> he said where you look is where you're going. So, so where you want to go is what you've got to look. And I remember it so well, it's because I looked at a lot of people and I ran over a lot of people. And the truth is most of them were kids because I was on a bunny slope. I'm not sure I graduated off that. There's probably kids in some counseling room right now talking about some college guy who ran over them, all kinds of issues. The reality is what happens in that on there, what I, really what I want you to hear is what he said is where you're looking is where you're going. And the same thing is true when we talk about the fruit of the Spirit becoming more and more evident in our lives. Because where we're looking is where we're going. And it's important for us to see that because what I hope is that we'll see is that what we've said here is that, that it begins by looking at the Savior. It begins by looking at God and his mercy and his grace and his love towards us. That's where it begins. And, and Scripture is full of these examples of God's kindness towards his people because kindness is a crucial part of God's nature, of his very nature. In Psalm chapter 36, it says that how priceless is your unfailing love, O God. The people take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And unfailing love in the, New King, in the King James Version is, is, is translated loving kindness. It's the same word. It comes from the Hebrew word hesed, which also means grace and mercy. This kindness that we experience from God is where the kindness that we are called to display begins. 
Gospel kindness that we're talking about is the fruit of God's spirit working out of us begins and is sustained when by grace our focus shifts from ourselves and is steadfast and turned on to his merciful love for us first and foremost. We first have to understand and continue to increasingly understand just how great God's kindness is and was towards us how overwhelmingly undeserving we are of the kindness that God displayed on us. Ephesians tells us, Ephesians, the passage that we, we read just a second ago, says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God has forgiven you. When we think about kindness, truly there's no greater picture of kindness than Jesus. The ultimate expression of God's kindness towards us, just as in Christ God's forgiven you, the ultimate expression of God's kindness is Jesus. Jesus is that expression, that clear picture of what kindness looks like because Jesus left perfection and came to a broken world of people who would reject him and despise him. Jesus is the ultimate expression of kindness in the way that he lived because time after time in the Gospels, he was moved in compassion towards this creation, towards his own creation, and stepped into their sorrow, into their struggle, bringing healing and hope. Jesus is the ultimate expression of kindness because he laid down his, his life on a cross for sinners to rescue and to forgive them. Romans 5, verse 8 says, says this, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were st still sinners, Christ died for us. And we don't have time to work through all of the examples throughout Scripture in the Old Testament and the New of places where God displays his kindness so clearly. So the one that I want us to focus on is, is clearly the picture of Christ. But the, what's most important is that, that we catch, we, we highlight and, and see this precious loving kindness for what it is. And we fix our eyes on his kindness because where we're looking is where we're going. And for our eyes to be fixed on his kindness, it moves us, it compels us to share that loving kindness with, the other, with those that he puts us around. And so the second thing that we see, there's a result of that loving kindness, if you want to fill this in. The kindness moves us to steadfast, merciful, and gracious love for others. It begins with God's steadfast, merciful, and gracious love for us, and it moves us to steadfast, merciful, and gracious love for others. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15, 14 says this, that Christ's love compels us, that we're compelled by Christ's love. And I'm going to ask you this question, and you may want to write this down in some of the space that's there. It's something that maybe you can ponder this week, a question for all of us. That what would it look like for you, for you and I, as those who have received the kindness of God in Christ, for our goal this week to grow in kindness? What would it look like this week for those of us that have received God's mercy and kindness in Christ, for us to grow in that kindness, for it to be our goal when we set out in the morning to grow in kindness over the next several days before we meet together here again? Colossians, Paul writes this, Colossians 3 verse 12. He says, therefore God, as God's chosen people, 
holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourself. Every morning we get up and we put on clothes, right, because we don't want to go outside without any on. Clothe yourself. Well, this is what he says. Clothe yourself with. As God's holy people, I want you to get up every morning and clothe yourself with this. This is what you put on as God's holy people. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. What if it was our goal to get up in the morning and to put on kindness in the same way we put on a shirt and pants before we leave the door. And maybe not just take it a step further. What would it look like to put on kindness and to be kind to people who annoy us? To be kind to people who disagree with us? To people who are not kind to us? I mean, it's one thing for us to be kind to people who we like. It's one thing for us to, to be kind to people who we agree with or those that we deem deserving of our kindness. It's quite another for us to be kind to people who annoy us, who we disagree with and who are not kind to us. But, but before you get mad at me for suggesting it, it's not me that you have a problem with. You, you should recognize that somebody else said this way before me. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, if you love those who you love, what reward, is, what reward will you get for that? Even tax collectors, I mean the scoundrels of scoundrels, even tax collectors do that. Verse 47, and if you greet only the person, only your own people, what are you, what are you doing more than others? Even the pagans, those who don't have a God, who don't recognize God as their, as their sovereign, even they do that. In Luke chapter 6, he says this, but love your enemies and do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And let your, then your reward, reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Sadly, I don't think that this is what our culture thinks about us as the church, or as believers, quite often. I don't think that what they think about us is that we're kind and compassionate and caring towards the needs of others. I think that what, what our world and our culture sees is people that, that have a problem. We disagree politically. We disagree with social issues. We disagree with parenting. We disagree with any myriad of things that happen in between there. And, and because of that, we, we we're rude or unkind and we, we're selfish and mean towards others because of our positions on different things. And the reason why we have to begin by fixing our eyes on Jesus is because that's where, when we're looking at him, it's where we're going. And it says that he was merciful and kind to those who were ungrateful and wicked. If I'm looking at myself, if I'm looking just at myself or I'm looking at them and without being reminded of how desperately in need of his grace and how desperately undeserving I was or it remained to be, then what I'll do is I'll, just, I'll be self-righteous and judgmental, not kind. I'll be harsh in the way that I think and act towards them, not kind. So, so, God, so God's kindness moves me. It compels us to share what we've received ourselves with others that no matter how undeserving we think that they might be. Because I was undeserving and he was merciful to me. God's, God's loving kindness moves me. It compels me to share what I've received with others because not because of what they can do for me, but because what has been done for me in Christ Jesus, because he displayed kindness to me. God's loving kindness moves us. It compels us to, to share that with others because who am I? 
undeserving as I am to keep from others what was freely given to me. And that's not to say, listen, it's not to say that we just go around agreeing with everybody on whatever, whatever everybody says. That's not kindness either. To speak the truth in love is, is kindness as well. But it does mean that we don't have to be harsh in the way that we do that. I do believe that we, that we can disagree and bear one another's burdens with kindness. I believe that there's an inner disposition of compassion and care and concern for the well-being of others that's displayed even when we disagree, even when somebody is rude to us. And this is not some utopian idea. I know even as you're hearing this, I don't want you to think that I'm escaping into some utopian world, right? This, this is not, the reality is I believe that God's word gives, that God's spirit gives us the ability to do this. And how do we, how do we foster this disposition of kindness? I think it, his word tells us the first thing is that we, we put our eyes on him. It begins by looking at him, and, and so we put our eyes on him, and we do that by reading his word, right? If you've been around me for a, a minute and a half, you know that pretty much every week I'm going to tell you that there's no way that we can do the things that God's calling us to do. There's no way we're going to see the fruit of the Spirit evident in our lives if we're not spending time looking at the one who is the example of fruit for us. There's no way that we can, we can have the evidence of his spirit working in us if we're not spending time looking at him by studying his word. There's no way that we can do it without worshiping him. And when we gather here on Sunday mornings, we open up his word and we sing songs about who he is and we turn our eyes to him. It begins to point us to him. Fixing our eyes on him compels us. It moves us. It fosters that disposition of kindness because we're reminded of who he is and what he's done for us, we remember and recognize. Another way we foster this is we remember and recognize that every individual is created in God's image. And slow down for that just for a second. That every human that you'll come in contact with today, whether you speak to them or not, whether you acknowledge them or not, whether you deem them worthy of your, whether, worthy of your acknowledgement or not, every one of them was created by the creator in his image. There may be a chasm of things that separate you socioeconomically and, and politically. All of the things may separate you. There's no reason for you to be in the same place at the same time, but that person just like you was made in the image of God and worthy of the kindness that you have been given. In Christ Jesus. We foster that kind of disposition by living together in community. Again, we talk about it all the time. Growth happens, we believe growth happens better in, in circles, not in rows. As we talk about being in community groups, and we want you to be in a community group. And if you aren't in a community group, there's community groups that are happening and they just got started. So there's no, no reason for you not to jump in one. But when we get in community, it fosters, it, 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 it makes us live lives together. It cultivates kindness because when we live up close and personal, when we share meals together, when we share life together, we recognize that this person is just just as in need of the gospel as I am, just, in need of, just as in need of God's grace and his mercy and his kindness as I was in need of God's grace and mercy and kindness. And it fosters a kindness and it displays that beauty, that fruit that is inside of us becomes evident on the outside. Truly, there are few greater displays of what the gospel is really about than simple kindness to those in our homes those that we do life with, those that we disagree with, 
and the strangers that we come in contact with on a daily basis. There's truly fewer things that are a greater display of what the gospel is really about than simple kindness to the people that are in your lives, the people that you agree with and disagree with, the people that are in your office that you bypass because you don't want to talk to them, people at your school that you go around because you don't want to be around them. Few things are a greater picture of what the gospel is about than simple kindness to others that have been created in his image. And we should never underestimate. I mean, Christ was kind to those who were strangers. He was kind to us when we were strangers and enemies. And we should never underestimate the power and the impact a simple act of kindness can have on the lives of those who experience it. And last blank there in your worship, God, is this, that kindness can result Kindness can result in others experiencing the steadfast, merciful, and gracious love of God for themselves. It can result in them experiencing that steadfast, merciful, and gracious love that we've experienced in Christ for themselves. Because Romans, Paul writes this in chapter 2, verse 4. He says, or do you show contempt for the riches of God's kindness and forbearance and his patience? not realizing that his kindness intend, was, is intended to lead you to repentance. That kindness is, is powerful. It can even be life-changing. Kindness, Christ's kindness towards us leads us to repentance. It leads us to turn, to turn our lives over to him by faith and placing our lives under his lordship and in his care. His kindness leads us to those things and our kindness to those around us, to our, in our homes, to our kids, and our, to our spouse, to our roommates to our neighbors, his kindness, this inner disposition of, of compassion and care and concern and the well-being for others, others' happiness and well-being, it, it, that kindness is a place where they can experience this steadfast, merciful, and gracious love for themselves. And notice that I didn't say that it may change their opinions. I didn't say that all of a sudden you may agree with them on things because the goal is not that, that their opinions change and that you agree with them on things. The goal is first and foremost in displaying this kindness, this fruit of the spirit of God's life inside of us is, is simple obedience to him. Secondly, it's to glorify him in this display of his spirit's work in us. But finally, the goal of kindness is that those who experience that kindness would ultimately come to know an even greater kindness. An even greater kindness of God that is poured out for them when Christ laid down his life on a cross. When he laid down his life for sinners and for those who were undeserving, just like you and I were. And those that were around. And therefore, kindness, the simple kindness, this inner disposition, compassion, care, and concern for the well-being and the happiness of others is one of the most powerful tools of evangelism. And I think there's three things that that means that we have to, we have to understand. And this is, we're going to wrap up right here. That kindness is, is strategic. If kindness is one, of the most, is one of the most powerful tools for evangelism, then we have to understand that kindness is strategic. It's not random acts of kindness. Kindness is the way of Christ. And so it's, it's intentional, purposeful actions of kindness that we take on a daily basis. 
It's putting on kindness because I know that kindness is, the, is, is a part of who I am in Christ. And so I put on kindness and I display that kindness. It's an outworking of an inward reality. And I put that on display. It's, it's strategic. It's intentional. It's purposeful. It's not random. As cool as random acts of kindness is, it's intentional acts of kindness that are evangelical and tell about who, the God, who Jesus is. It's sacrificial. Kindness is sacrificial. It requires that I trust God enough to lay aside my own rights, my own desires, to put aside my own opinions, my own comfort, and to step into lives of others, maybe even those that are hostile to the truth. I mean, think about this. Christ was kind to others. He was the, perf the perfect picture of kindness to others. And they mocked him and they questioned him and they ultimately crucified him. Your kindness is going to be sacrificial. Your kindness is going to be taken advantage of. You're going to be kind to others and they're not going to be kind back to you. You're going to be kind to others and they're going to take advantage of you. And that's exactly what happened to Christ. And it's going to happen to you and I. But it doesn't change the call that God has on our lives to be kind and display his spirit in the world that's around us, to the people that are around us. Kindness is supernatural, and I, I need you to hear me say this. Kindness is supernatural. And I mean that because, because everyone, everyone who is a believer, everyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ has the same access to the kindness that Christ displayed when he, when he treated you and I with kindness, when he left heaven to walk on earth and treated all of those people that he stepped into their sorrow and their despair and brought healing and hope, we have the same access to that kind of kindness because the spirit lives inside of us. He's given you everything that you need for the life that he's called you to. And so that means that kindness is not fueled by some campaign that we have. It's not fueled by some halftime speech to encourage you to go be kind to your friends and your family. It's not, it's not given, it's not, it's, it's not fueled by, by an eagerness, an inward desire, like an inward just personal eagerness to, to pull up your bootstraps and be kind. Not the kindness that we're asking God to display because there's simple kindness that, has, that, that run for a little while. But, but supernatural kindness is, is given to us by the spirit of God who lives inside of us. And when we display that kind of kindness in increasing measure, our lives will be an aroma to others of the goodness and the faithfulness and the beauty of a relationship with who Jesus is, with Jesus himself. And so let me ask you a couple questions and I invite the band to come up. As we close, let me ask you a couple questions. The question is, are you kind? Is kindness this, this inward disposition of, of care and compassion and concern for the needs and the well-being of others? Is it evident in your life in increasing measure? From the time, maybe we can kind of give this, is there, do you see more and more an, an ability to be kind to those who are around you, have you as you've grown in your relationship with God? And if it's not, if there's not an increasing, if that's not increasing as you've grown in your relationship with Christ or as you've moved forward and gotten older in your relationship with Christ, maybe the, would you ask God why this week? If you're asking, is it there, and you don't see it there, would you add, maybe spend some time and say, God, I don't see this in my life. Why don't I see this in my life?
Another question, what would it look like this week for your goal to be to grow in kindness? And what would be the first step that you would take? Maybe just kind of even hone that down. What, what, would, it, what would be one way that you could practice kindness in your home with your spouse, with your kids, with your roommate, whatever, whatever, whoever you live with in your home. Maybe it's your neighbors. If you're single and you live, you have neighbors. Maybe that's what would it look like for you to, to practice to practice kindness this week? To put on kindness, as Scripture says, your coworkers, your classmates, and those in your community. And so we don't get the cart before the horse because some of you you've heard me talk about this and. And the reality is that you've never experienced the kindness of Christ. You've never come to that place where the kindness of God has led you to repentance. Where you've put your faith in Jesus. Where by grace you've, you've put your faith in him and you've been saved. And you've placed your life under his lordship and in his care. You've never come to that place. And, and my desire for you is not just to tell you to pull up your bootstraps and be kind this week. My desire for you is to experience the kindness of Christ. That laid, he who laid down his life for you to rescue and restore the relationship that was broken because of sin. Jesus wants you to experience that kindness. So this morning, as we, as we finish this up, as we sing this one song, there, there's some folks who serve uh, as, as those who pray and serve and care for our church, or A6 and C3, and they're, they're part of our prayer team. And so I'm going to ask our prayer team just to be present in the back. And if you just need to take that next step and just find out what it means to experience the kindness of Jesus, you're not committing to anything. But you just want to talk to somebody about what that means. Or maybe you're just in a place in your life where you recognize that you just need, you need Jesus to forgive you for some places that you've been very unkind to some people. You just want to talk to somebody. Our prayer team's going to be in the back and they'll be there throughout this song and, and on into the end of the service. But we're going to sing this song. This is a time of response. You're more than welcome to stand, but really it's a time of response for us to just process what God's doing and how we need to respond to whatever he's doing in our own hearts. So let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you that, that we know that you're living and active. God, in your word, it tells us that you, you cut through bone and marrow, through soul and spirit. God, and I know that this morning by the power of your spirit, you're moving in us. And I pray that, God, you, what you're doing is, is you're exposing those places, maybe that we just need to repent for places that we've been unkind. Maybe it's we walk to somebody who we know we've been unkind to and we ask for forgiveness for the way that we've been unkind. God, I pray that you would move in our spirit. And if there's those here this morning who do not know the kindness of Jesus, who have not put their faith in you, God, I pray that the, today would be the day that they experience that kindness and their lives would be transformed by the most beautiful act of kindness that the world has ever seen as you laid down your life on a cross. We build our lives on that truth, Christ. In Christ's name we pray. That's the end of this episode on the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. Before you go, we invite you to think about who you could share this sermon with. Click the subscribe button so that you can be notified each time we release a new sermon. Did you know Rolling Hills publishes other podcasts too? Check out the Making History and Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, and the RH Women's As You Go Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church.
We're thankful you spent some time with us today. We'll see you next time.